Hi, guys. It's Joanne. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I just wanted to give you a little treat. I was first introduced to Mrs. Hughes, who I'll be talking to today by seeing her on a stand-up comedy viral video that was going around Facebook, and I just loved her. And I thought, well, you never know until you ask. So I hunted her down on the internet, and I asked her if she would be willing to interview for my show, and she said yes. I am just so excited to talk to her. You guys are going to love her. Before I get into our conversation, though, I am going to play you a snippet of the stand-up comedy routine so that you will have heard it too. I'm honored to have been given permission by Mrs. Hughes to share this audio with you, and I know you'll enjoy it. We do mention private body parts of the female anatomy. So if you're sitting with your kids and you're not ready to answer questions about that, this might be a better episode listened to through earbuds or when you're by yourself. Hi, everyone. I am so glad to be back in Winnipeg. I really admire you women that live here in the cold because you're very brave because you're outside, it's freezing cold, you go inside, it's nice and warm. Then you go outside and it's freezing cold, you come inside and it's nice and warm. Then you go outside and get in the car, it's nice and warm, and then you get out and it's freezing cold. I got here Thursday, my nipples are exhausted. (laughs) Where are those hot flashes when you need them? (laughs) My hot flashes were so bad For a while, I thought global warming was my fault. (laughs) Al Gore followed me for three days. (laughs) So I went to the doctor and he said, you're going through the change of life. Change of life. Girls, remember when you went through puberty, they told you you were becoming a woman? You go through the change of life, they don't tell you what you're becoming. (laughs) I'm becoming my father. And it seems to me that something is always needing replacing, repairing, or rotated. It's awful. When I get home, I have to go to the gynecologist. I hate that. Primarily because I have to shave my legs. Last time I shaved my legs, I lost seven pounds. It had really gotten bad. It was shave, braid, or move to Italy. But it's a horrible exam, and why do I have to have it done? I had everything removed. I'm empty, I'm hollow. What's he looking for? Bits of jewelry, old boyfriends? Jimmy Hoffa? You go into the office and you lay down on a table lined with butcher paper. Butcher paper. And you put your feet in stirrups. I've had my feet in more stirrups than John Wayne. And my doctor has puppets on the stirrups. Big green frog puppets with big bulging eyes. And they're looking right at the lily pad. You lay there, then the nurse comes in and she says, scoot down. Am I right? Scoot, scoot till you're bent like a pretzel. And then what does she do? She leaves you there to wait for the doctor to get his implements out of the refrigerator. One of which looks like those things my grandfather used to put in his shoes. And while you're laying there all scrunched up, you have a decision to make. Do you fart now and stink up the room? Or do you wait and fart in his face? 
he chose the job. Finally, the doctor comes in. Yes, he rolls up on that little stool. He's got on the miner's helmet and the canary. The bird's looking peaked. And he starts to chat. What is that all about? It just amazes me. I can't understand what he's saying because of the echo. I finally figured out what he was saying. He said, how old a woman are you? (laughs) Oh my God, that was funny. (laughs) I said, well, I'm in my my mid-50s. I'm 63. He said, what? He said, read my lips. You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast where my girlfriends and I tell our most embarrassing, funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfection and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett and I'm your host. And you guys, today I am so excited to introduce you to a new girlfriend. We've gotten to know each other very well over the last 30 minutes when we've had a lot of technical difficulties, but we finally figured it out. I would like to introduce to you Mrs. Hughes. She is a stand-up comedian who began her career at the age of 40. After learning that Phyllis Diller's comedy career began at age 39, she thought, I think I can do that. So she took a funny five minutes down to the improv and was hooked. She now has fans all over the world. Mrs. Hughes, thank you so much for joining me. Well, I'm glad it finally happened. I mean, we were having so much trouble. I don't have any idea what was causing that feedback. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. It's just I'm I'm so exhausted now I can't talk. I have to take a nap. (laughs) Go take a nap. Call me back in 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 30 minutes. I have to have a three-hour nap. That'll never do. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, fill in the blanks. What did I miss about who you are and what you do? I was born in Miami, Florida. I was almost 14 when we moved to California. I don't know why we moved to California. All I know is I came out of the swimming pool where I gave swimming lessons to get my bicycle, and my bicycle was gone. And my father swears he didn't sell it or give it to somebody, but it was convenient that my bicycle was gone and the car was packed to move to California. And my mother gave everything I had that I really loved, gave away all my dolls and my record player and everything. You're kidding. That you didn't have an opportunity to pack your your belongings and say goodbye. No. You just got uh-huh. swept off to California. Wow. That's a culture shock too. Boy. Yeah. And my dad worked for the airlines and he had a really good job and he worked nights. And my mother worked in a gift shop or a department store at different times. But my father couldn't get into World War II because of his heart condition. And he never got over it. It, uh, mm. He had a required job. I don't remember what they called it, but he had an important, necessary job. But from the time I was 13 until I was 18 or 19, my father didn't work. Mm. He finally got a job with Internal Revenue, temporary job. And every six weeks he had to leave and then he had to be hired over again until finally... They waived the medical exam requirement and hired my dad. And he was offered a job by an attorney's office for twice as much money as the government was paying him. 
But he said, no, the Social Security office gave me a chance and gave me a job. So mm. I, I won't leave and go to work for someone else. My father had a kind of a strange sense of loyalty, but it was, <laughs> I was proud of him. Aww. But we lived in Beverly Hills, which is kind of a posh area. And my father was unemployed and my mother worked in a gift shop. I mean, we'll be sure that living wasn't high. Yeah, it must have been really, really hard. Yeah, eventually moved to an apartment that didn't have a bedroom. It was just a kitchen, a living room, and a bathroom. And we all slept in the living room. So. Wow. How many siblings do you have? Oh, none. None at all. I have a cousin that very happily told me that my mother was upset beyond belief that she was pregnant. Oh. That always made me feel good. I mean, you got to watch what you're saying. Yes, you do. I always wanted to be famous. I didn't care what I was famous for. I have no ambition, but that was it. I wanted to be famous. <laughs> so the LA Times entertainment section, I was on the front page. And I thought, oh, well, everybody's going to see this now. You know, it's on the front page of the LA Times. And a little girl came knocking at my door that Sunday and wanted an autograph. And when I went outside, somebody from down the street yelled to me and but they wouldn't approach me. They would just yell to me. And all of a sudden, the people on our block started treating us differently. Oh, dear. But I thought, because I thought everybody was going to read this thing that was in the Times, well, I'll be recognized everywhere I go. So I got all dressed up and I went to the local grocery store. Nothing happened. Nobody noticed me. And uh, then I thought, well, I'll go to the mall. <laughs> and I just spent the day at the mall walking around looking like my picture and nothing happened in two, three, four, five days. Nobody recognized me. Then one night I was at the drugstore picking up a prescription and a woman said, Oh, you're, um, you were, uh, and so I, I smiled and said, Mrs. Hughes. And she said, that's right. You're Julie Larson's friend from the PTA. Oh, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. So I've always wanted to be introduced. And here she is, Julie Larson's friend from the PTA. <laughs> I love it. Nobody would get it, but I just think it's so funny. One time, way before I was ever a stand-up comedian, I was at the grocery store. And the woman behind me said, you're somebody famous, aren't you? And I said, no. And she said, no, really, I recognize you. You are. You really are. And I said, no, I'm really not. Well, just a grocery shopper. She said, yeah, I know. Yeah. And she had this big grin on her face. Yeah. And I got my change from the cashier. And I just felt so bad for the woman. As we were leaving, I turned around and said to her, I'm Rosemary Clooney. And she said, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> well, it made her happy. You made her day. I was at LAX one time and a, a woman came up to me and she said, you're Mrs. Hughes, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, oh, such a big fan. My sister-in-law, oh my God, she is such a big fan. And she said, would you give me an autograph or something? So I took out a business card and wrote her an autograph and gave it to her. And she went back to where she was sitting and I was wandering around waiting for the plane when she came up to me again. And she said, my sister-in-law's husband just recently died and she's been in such a funk. Would, would you talk to her? And he said, of course. So she handed me the telephone, and I talked to the sister-in-law, who could not believe she was talking to me. She said, oh, I recognize your voice, and she was so excited. (laughs) I talked to her for a minute, and then I took my suitcase and put it up on a seat, and 
went through it and I got videotape and a CD and a big picture and signed everything and brought it over to the sister. And I said, here, send this to your sister-in-law and tell her I was so glad to have the chance to meet her and thank you and everything. It just made me feel really, really good because the girl said, oh, she was so excited and happy to talk to you. And it really meant something to me that I had just made somebody happy. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a huge gift to you and to her, you know? And since then, I have gotten so many people that write and say, I haven't laughed since my husband died. Mm. I'm just recovering from cancer or something. And they send me these sad little stories and tell me, that, you know, they get up in the morning and listen to me, you know, when they're having a bad day. Yeah. And it is, it's just so rewarding. It makes me feel good. When one of our grandsons got married, his mother it was our youngest daughter, and she died oh. a year before he got married. The groom's mother's responsibility financially is the rehearsal dinner. Mm-hmm. So... I called them up and told them, I said, I'll get the rehearsal dinner, but I want you to go to Jocko's, which is a restaurant in um, Napomo, south of San Luis Obispo, that has the best steaks in the world. And it's just a, not a fancy restaurant, just down-home restaurant. Awesome. But the food is so excellent. And I thought, well, that's what we'll do. We'll go to Jocko's. We, we got there and we were going to our table and a woman said, excuse me, I know you're not her, but has anybody told you you look an awful lot like that woman on the internet? And I said, you're the first one, honey. <laughs> I gave her one of my cards and autographed it and everything. I said, you just made my day. <laughs> I know you're not her, but has anybody told you? In this instance, I was her. As a matter of fact, that's why I, I my introduction now is that funny lady from the internet, because... Most people only know me from the videos that have gone viral. There's just so much more reach that way than for people coming to live shows. One of my favorite podcasts is The Hilarious World of Depression because it is a comedian interviewing other comedians about comedy, of course, but also about depression. And I I know that that comes hand in hand with the insightfulness that it takes to notice and express funny things. I don't know a single one of them that doesn't have a depression problem. That's really interesting that you say that. This comedian that has this podcast, his name is John Moe. I heard him interviewed on a non-comedic podcast, and he was telling a story about how he and his wife handled the disappearance of the family guinea pig. (laughs) I loved him, and I thought, I need more of this guy. So I just typed his name into the search bar in my podcast app to see if I could hear other interviews, and it turned out he had his own podcast, and it's wonderful. I love hearing the backstory because, you know, we're all very complicated people. I come off as extremely outgoing and bubbly and jubilant, and yet I am an introvert who struggles with depression. I'm not trying to lie or misrepresent myself. It's just complicated, right? Yeah, but see, that that describes me. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I used to tell anecdotes. A lot of stupid stuff happens to me, and I tell people, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm always making people laugh. And I had a very funny girlfriend named Marsha. She was taking an adult ed class, and I was teaching an adult ed class. And we'd meet at the break, and we'd be talking and laughing about stuff. And somebody asked us if we would come to their party and liven it up a bit because we're so funny. And 
I, you know, I do, I think, probably give people the impression that I'm very outgoing and warm and stuff, but I don't like to be in a crowd, especially people I don't know. It makes me nervous. I so relate to that. Not nervous, but just uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I like to stay on the periphery of a room. Me too. Make sure that you click the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast because Mrs. Hughes and I had such a fun conversation, I couldn't fit it all into one episode. And I will be bringing you a bonus episode with the remainder of our conversation later this week. You guys are not going to want to miss it. We talk about our boobs. (laughs) We talk about home decor and chickens and squirrels. And we laugh our heads off. It is so much fun. You've got to come back for it. Today's episode is brought to you by Beauty Bioscience. If you are a regular to Fancy Free, you know that I am trying the R45 reversal. And tomorrow I'm switching from phase two to phase three. I am still loving it. It is not causing any irritation or redness. I definitely feel like my skin looks healthier overall. And I have two more weeks, so I'll let you know how it goes. I'm also using the Quench, which is an amazing moisturizer, which I'm loving. Make sure that you go to beautybio.com, check out everything that they have to offer. I'm looking forward to trying a couple more of their products soon, and I will keep you informed of that as well. But if you go to beautybio.com and do a little shopping of your own, don't forget to use the coupon code FANCYFREE to get 15% off of everything in your cart. Definitely check them out. As you know, the purpose of this podcast is to tell our not-so-fancy stories so that we seem more relatable to each other. So what have you got for us today? What is your not-so-fancy story? Yeah, do you have time for a long one? Oh, heck yeah. Okay. My best friend, Shayla, and I, and another friend, Sandy, we were in a bowling league, and I got a most improved bowler trophy. And it was the stupidest looking trophy you ever saw. It was a lamp. And and we didn't have a lamp in our bedroom. So for years we had that lamp and I am mad now. And my daughter is as mad at me that we don't still have that lamp because it was so awful and funny. But one of the other things I got, a bank account was open with $5 as the amount of money in it from a very posh bank up in the peninsula. So I used to write for a lot of antique publications. They paid a penny a word and I was very prolific. And I used to get checks from all over the country, people that had little antique publications and stuff. And they would pay me $10 or $3 or whatever for a story. So I had a whole bunch of those. It was before Christmas and I decided I would go and get that $5 from that bank. I'd deposit all of this money in there, and then I would use that to buy the children's Christmas presents. So I went up there and gave them all of the checks, and they said that the money wouldn't be available until the middle of January. And I said, why? And he said, well, these are all out-of-state checks. And I said, but that's my children's Christmas money. I want access to that money and the five dollars that's in that account they said well that's our rules and it can't be done I said let me talk to the manager and he said well the manager is off today but he'll be here tomorrow and I said tomorrow okay didn't sleep a wink that night because I was going to go confront the bank 
I drove up to the peninsula and I parked my car and I went into the bank. And the manager of the bank said, well, it's against the rules. You can't, I can't let you do that. And I said, you're going to give me that money. And you're going to give me other people's money, too, to get rid of me. But you listen to me. I am going to call the Peninsula News, the Daily Breeze, and every business that I can find a phone number for and tell them that you would not give me my money and that my children would not be having Christmas this year because of you it. Go. And I was just furious. And I thought that I was standing up for my rights and that I was being aggressive. This is during the time where the women's movement was beginning and I was very firm. Well, he did give me the money. And as I left the store and walked out to the parking lot, I was standing proud. And I got to the car and I put my key in the lock and I looked down and I had my dress on inside out. Oh, no. (laughs) Now, I had made this dress myself. It was brown and white giraffe print jersey. And the pattern called for a zipper. And the only zipper I had was a 14-inch white zipper. And I didn't need it because I put the dress on over my head, but it called for a zipper. I put the zipper in it. It had pockets inside out, flapping in the wind on each side. (laughs) And I had hemmed it by hand. And it was a large circular sort of skirt. So you know how you have to kind of make up every now and again? Yes. Right side out, the dress is pretty stupid looking, but inside out. And I looked at that and I could not stop laughing. (laughs) And I got in the car and I said, well, they gave me the money because... It was crazy. So I drove immediately to the fire station where my husband was working. I went into the office and they called him down from wherever he was. And I said, look at me. He said, I'm looking at you. I said, I just came from the bank. I got the money. And then I turned around and he saw this inside out white zipper. And he was trying to get me out of there and into the car and away from the fire station so that nobody else would see me. Oh, my God. But I had to drive to everybody I knew and tell them that story. I should have had somebody take a picture because without seeing that huge giraffe print dress with the white zipper and the pockets. The flappy pockets. Well, that, that was that day and age's version of taking a selfie and putting it on social media, right? You're like, this, right, ha- right. this is funny. I have to show everyone I know. <laughs> I do stupid stuff like that all the time. And I am very good at sharing that information with people. Well, that's, I think, why I love you so much. <laughs> well, I'll tell you another thing, too. Nobody in my family dares make a mistake. It's going to end up in your act. <laughs> that's right. I'm going to tell that story. You know, you were talking about embarrassing things, and this isn't funny, but I just think it's so insightful. One of my grandsons, and he's 20 or 19 or something, he was a big boy, was in a restaurant, and he took the ketchup bottle to shake it to kind of break that suction so the ketchup comes out, but the lid wasn't on tightly. Oh, dear. And he shot ketchup all over the waitress. and. Everybody laughed. So then he got real upset with everybody. He gets his feelings hurt easily. So they told me or he told me, and he was really mad at everybody. And I said to him, you know what I do for a living? And he said, yes. 
And I said, I make fun of myself and tell people things that have happened to me that are embarrassing, and they always laugh. And what you have to understand is those people that are laughing at you with the ketchup bottle aren't laughing at you. It's an automatic response. They're laughing, but what they're thinking is, thank God that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And when you see somebody slip and fall and you see people laugh, that's not cruel. They're just thinking, oh, my God, I'd be so embarrassed if that was me. And so when you tell that story, you're going to make people laugh. They're laughing because it's funny and you're making it funny when you tell it. That's right. But they're also glad it didn't happen to them. And they feel like they can relate to you more because surely something like that has happened to them. Makes you human. Yeah. Yeah. But this young man who was so angry and upset started telling that story about himself. Oh, Good for you. And I was so proud of him. I have to tell you something funny. Your comedy clip about being in a cold environment and going in and out of the car (laughs) went all around my family. You've created quite a bit of pants peeing around here because we've laughed so hard. (laughs) (laughs) My sister-in-law sent it to me. Then we sent it to my sister and my mom and my mother-in-law and my mother-in-law, who's very technically challenged. Oh, good. She's my new best friend. She's fabulous. She's crazy about your videos. You're like the buzz of the family, right? So my husband said, what do you have going on today? And I said, well, at one o'clock, I am interviewing Mrs. Hughes, that comedian. And he said, oh, is she the one with the worn out vagina? And I said, no. (laughs) She's the one with the exhausted nipples. Get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's so funny. Well, you know, the thing about my woo-woo, I have that video that's on the air about going to the gynecologist. Yes. And um, I found the other day when I was cleaning off my desk, which only happens every millennium, I found a line I had written for that bit and I had never done it. Because at the end of it, if you'll remember, at the very end, the gynecologist says something to me while he's down there. And I answer him and he said, what? And I said, read my lips. And the next line is supposed to be, if you're going to be there much longer, you're going to have to pay me, (laughs) which I thought was really funny. I I have to work in a club somewhere where I can try that bit. I did that in Canada. And then all of a sudden, a comic called me and he said, do you know you've gone viral? And I said, no, what are you talking about? And he told me, he said, this is your second viral. He said, most of us don't even get one. I went to the thing that he told me, and there it was. And it said that it had 29 million views. That's amazing. It was called Party Time, and it was on Facebook. And it did not say my name. And there were a lot of comments after it that said... Who is she? Who is she? And then somebody said, I found her. It's Mrs. Hughes. And like that. Yeah. I got a Uh, note from YouTube one time saying that there might be a copyright problem on one of the videos I posted. And I thought, if I posted it, honey, it's me. (laughs) But somebody's got to be making money on these. I think whoever puts it on their YouTube channel, if if they have their channel monetized, 
then they are making money off of them. So that actually might be, I mean, if you aren't the one who put it up and it's going viral, somebody's benefiting from that. Yeah. And so it probably really is a copyright infringement thing and you probably really could pursue it, but I wouldn't know how. Well, the thing is that with this virus, COVID-19 thing, I couldn't be happier that my video is going out there for people that really need something funny. And I get a lot of that kind of um, mail. And um, I, I didn't start doing stand-up because I thought I was going to be famous or really, really good at it. But it was just so much fun. But I apparently am bringing a lot of joy to people that need it. And there isn't enough money on this earth to make up for that. If oh. people are, if, if I am cheering people up and if I'm helping them through this bad time, that's all I need. I miss performance a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine that there would really not be anything else in life that would give you the same feeling as it would feel to be up on a stage making the audience crack up. Yeah. I, I had a standing ovation the first time I did it. It was so um, wow. It it was so thrilling. Well, that's actually really incredible because a lot of I listen to a lot of comedians being interviewed, and many, many of them say it didn't go very well the first time, but they were still hooked. And I don't know how they could tolerate the pain of going from it didn't go well to. The people well. that I think are the best comics and are the famous comics, it didn't go well for them when they first started. They worked at it. Yeah. I did not have to do that. That's rare. I think it's really rare. It is. But I started after I had been working, um, teaching a class in adult ed in a subject that I didn't really know anything about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I decided that, well, I'll tell them what I've read and then I'll tell them something funny. And if I get fired, I will at least have earned enough money for a new pair of shoes. And if I don't, then next week I'll do the same thing. And I did it for 14 and a half years. And interestingly enough, after I left class, and that was... 30 years ago, it's still in existence. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That, so you had, that was kind of your lab, that, that, the class, yes. the class, yes. the students of the class. Oh, that's really interesting, huh? Awesome. I would, one, we had show and tell and stuff like that. And a woman said, I can't get the stopper out of this whiskey decanter. And I said, gosh, um, have you tried WD-40? And she said, what's that? <clears throat> I said, you don't know what WD-40 is? It's a lubricant. My husband uses it on everything. And then I heard that. And I said, I mean, not everything. <laughs> and people started to laugh. I ducked down behind the lectern. And I was laughing so hard, and I could never recover. That was the end of the class. Every time I stood up and tried to recover, everybody would burst out laughing, and I, it destroyed me. And it was one of the funniest things oh my that um, 
And that kind of funniness happened in the class. It was an antiques class. And I was talking about how hand-blown bottles, how they were made and the top on the bottle, they would just take a glass, if you've ever seen it, you can stretch it out and it makes a kind of a thin tube, not hollow, but that shape, like mm-hmm. toothpaste. And you just went around the outside and it was called a blob top. So I drew the top of a bottle and I drew the blob and it looked like a penis. <laughs> and people started laughing and I tried to make it right. And after that, people would say, when are you going to do the bottle talk again? I said, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> because they would bring their tape recorders and <laughs> try to videotape it and stuff like that. So if I was going to do the bottle talk again, I would do it when they weren't expecting it so that they couldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't want a record of my having said that. <laughs> and then I would do the bottle talk again. Tell my listeners where they can find you online. My website is mrshughes.com. It's M-R-S-H-U-G-H-E-S. And there's no dot after the missus because I'm so old, I don't even have that period. (laughs) I love it. Oh, that's so cute. Mrs. Hughes. And Roxanne is fixing my website so that it is amazing and not so screwed up. We will expect that that may change before our, our eyes over the next little while. Wouldn't that be lovely? Oh, my goodness. Well, I have to tell you, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for listening to the Fancy Free Podcast today. Wasn't Mrs. Hughes amazing? I knew she wouldn't disappoint. Make sure you come back later this week for the remainder of our conversation in the form of a bonus episode. Check out today's show notes at fancyfreepodcast.com slash episode 61. I have so many links for you from our conversation as well as to Beauty Bio. Don't forget to use your coupon code FANCYFREE for 15% off. Next week on the show, we have Shannon Shea, who has a funny story about a disastrous bicycle grocery store trip that she took with her kids. If you want more connection, laughter, and sharing, why not join the Fancy Free Facebook group? It's our private slice of the internet. We're having a lot of fun over there. The question of the week this week is, do you have any embarrassing OBGYN stories? I'd love it if you'd follow the Fancy Free Podcast on Instagram and share the show with a friend. There are lots of different ways that you can share a podcast. The easiest way is to click the square with the arrow coming out of it wherever you're listening to this podcast, and then your computer or your phone will give you multiple different ways to share the episode. Have a great week, and remember, no one is as fancy as they look. (laughs) 